welcome to the pilot episode of the Creative Condition Podcast. Conversations about creativity with me, your host, Ben Talon. So, before I get going, this show is supported, as ever, by the wonderful Illustration X, who you can find over at illustrationx.com. Fantastic illustration agency representing all kinds of illustrators, animators, muralists, and everything in between. Go and have a look at their awesome portfolios. They helped me get the show off the ground. I will get into the details of that shortly. And of course, the Association of Illustrators, the AOI.com, staying on board for this new incarnation of a show that's been running for over 150 episodes. So what is this pilot episode? It's essentially me taking the time to explain why I wanted to give this show a whole new identity and a new kick down the road for 2021 to take things forward to give myself a little injection of motivation to carry on the story because there was no plan there is no plan um a lot of the things that i do have no plan that's that's kind of the way i go and it's become increasingly so over time what started as a career driven by goals very tangible points of action along the way and it's not to say that they're not there anymore but it's very much become a feeling led practice That's me working with creativity, including this podcast, which is one of the main facets of what I do. So for anyone who's brand new through the door, and that is kind of the hope with this new titling of the show, is that it does a little more of what it says on the tin, because let's face it, Arrest All Mimics was kind of cool in some ways. It was all right, but you had to work for it. It left people who asked me what my podcast was called with a blank expression of, sorry, what? Or they just kind of go oh, cool, and it had that really empty kind of gone-over-their-head sentiment. And that was down to me being a dick, being an arty-farty, let's give this a cool, punky, funky title, when really I should have just gone, here's what it does, here's what you're going to get, do you want to listen? So there is an aspect of that behind this rebrand, so to speak, calling what used to be a rest on the mix, the Creative Innovation Podcast, simply the Creative Condition Podcast, because... Isn't that what this is? What we're all working with, our creative condition as human beings? Because let's face it, creativity is a fundamental pillar of the human condition. So that's where we are. Um, so what was Arrest All Mimics? I mean, the show's not going to change too much, to be quite honest. It's still going to be the music beds pr- you know, provided by Dirty Freud. It's still going to be me having conversations around creativity with a, a broad range of people that I hope is going to get even broader. Arrest All Mimics was somebody who was asked if he'd ever thought about doing a podcast going, no, but I listened to about 20 of them and technology is really affordable these days and there's YouTube over there with American kids who've posted these tutorials about how to work garage band and Zoom microphones and actually that'd be quite fun. So it was a suggestion by the MD of Illustration X, Harry Lyon-Smith, after I approached him and sort of said, look, I've written this book, which was Champagne and Wax Crayons, and universities have asked me to come and do talks. And I really kind of enjoy talking about creativity in these various contexts. What can you do for me in that respect? And Harry's awesome. He will never just shut the door and go, "Uh, nothing, I'm busy. Go and be an illustrator. That's what we're paying you for. He kind of went, well... I listen to a lot of podcasts, you listen to a lot of podcasts, you talk a hell of a lot about creativity when we get pissed at these socials that we have through the agency, why don't you do that? And he kind of went, if you do, 
I will support the show through Illustration X because we think it's pretty cool podcasts and could really benefit the agency and hopefully you too. So I went, okay, that's cool. Somebody just offered to pay me to talk about creativity with a microphone in front of me. And that's what it was. There wasn't a plan. It was a guy who throughout my life had become increasingly in love with what creativity did for me on an emotional, mental, physical level. It's something that's given me a huge buzz since as long as I can remember, something that was supported by my parents, something that, by and large, has kept me out of mental health trouble. And it's something that I felt very strongly about in that respect. It made me sad that society didn't share that en masse. You know, not every kid was encouraged like I was to pick up the pens or listen to an album or whatever creative interest I had enlivened my parents they kind of went well that's cool it means you're not hanging around on the streets taking drugs or doing something that's more destructive so we're right behind that yeah of course go and do it for a career because if you enjoy it you're going to be spending a lot of hours doing this stuff so you know in a roundabout way creativity was has been a part of my life a, a leading a, you know a real leading dowsing rod almost in my life for as long as I can remember so really, that's what Arrest on the Mix was. It was a suggestion by Harry Lionsmith. It was an acceptance by me. And it was a man who'd never done any kind of broadcasting, any kind of media production, learning on the job. That's what it was. You go back and listen to some of those early episodes and they are, you know, they're really rough around the edges. But I like to think that right from the off, I was already at a point in my career where I understood the implicit importance of doing things your way and not straying too far from what you do well and the way you talk and the way you view the world. So I stuck to my strengths and I knew that this wasn't the BBC. I knew it didn't need to be that, shouldn't be that, and certainly couldn't be that because I'm just not that. So I did it in this kind of pirate radio, here's a rough cut music bed, here's a man recording in a bedroom or in a cafe or on a train when he should really be doing it in a studio. But isn't that what underpins everything that I create? Whether it's a drawing through my illustration studio, whether it's a passage from a book, a short story that I've written, everything had this zine aesthetic, if that makes any sense. So I wasn't going to change that. So really, it did kind of have a lot of soul to it from the off. And then, of course, I went to guests who I knew would be good. You know, I used my comfort zone to begin with. I, I combed the arenas of illustration and graphic design and talked to these interesting people who had either come into my life by chance, came into my life after I started the podcast, or had been around in my life for a while, and I knew that every single one of them had an interesting story and something worth sharing with a wider audience. Just like champagne and wax crayons, it was done through my eyes and my mouth, but it was never going to be an ego trance. It wasn't going to be an autobiography because I fancied writing an autobiography and felt, you know, I wasn't deluded that the world would want to hear my story. What I knew that I had was a journey through the arts and the experience of building a career and what that feels like in terms of the frustrations and the challenges and the awesome highs and the terrible lows along the way. And wouldn't this be valuable to write in such a way that people could read it through my, you know, my view on the world? But actually... It was written so that if someone read it who didn't know me, didn't give a shit about me, which was going to be the majority of the audience, they would still take great, valuable lessons and insights from it. And that was what I wanted to do with the show. So that was the thinking behind each of the guests. 
so it kind of evolved. It moved from those illustrators and designers, and they're always going to be a core of what I do because I love those industries. But I also wanted to hear from comedians and from actors and filmmakers and set designers and musicians, and I wanted to pull together all these people doing interesting creative things, put their story on the table under the microscope and kind of go, well, yeah, you kind of should get outside of your discipline and go and listen to that person who you might never have listened to before because they're going to have an angle on creativity, a set of experiences that might suddenly just activate something that's been lying dormant in your world that might change everything. It might give you a whole new zest it might give you a impetus to go and do something you've never done before and it might just make you feel that little bit better about what you're doing day to day so that was the idea um you know again subversive odd title that being said managed to get a decent listenership so thank you for anybody who's contributed to that because it was a massive buzz to see the episode numbers going up as this thing moved along and it fluctuated you it ebbs and flows you know i'll get somebody on there who's been around for 50 years, let's say, Sir John Hegarty, uh, the only knight I've had on the show so far, and, you know, considered one of the most creative minds in the advertising world ever. And he got way less listens than, for example, let me think who? Maybe Hazel Mead, who was at university at the time. But for different reasons, some of these episodes are way more popular than you would expect. Other ones just really don't get where you hope they would get to, you know? So that's the thing. So there was over 150 episodes, way more than 150 guests. Everything from creative agencies to individuals to collectives to school children doing their own art projects. I wanted it to be fun. I wanted it to be broad. I wanted it to be exciting. And I hope that to some degree that's what Arrest All Mimics was. And as I got past 150, it kind of felt like it had begun to slow. But I didn't want to pack it up. I love doing this stuff. I'll, I'll always do this to some degree no matter how sporadic the episodes are, I care about creativity too much and it became this accidental formal education after college and after university, you know? It was another block of learning by getting to spend all this time with these people and share these conversations so that I hope you had the same insights and education that enabled me to sit down in the homes and studios of personal heroes, of industry mainstays, of vibrant beginners and pioneers alike, and it's just helped me to understand how to live with this creative condition that we all have. Because that's the thing. I think that's, you know, if you're going to be in this industry, if you're going to use creativity as a lead for anything in your life, you have to understand and accept that every single human being is creative. That's what sets us apart from the animal kingdom. It's as simple as that. The difference is that some of us are scared by that condition. Some of us convince ourselves we don't have it because often society likes to put us in little boxes and kind of make us believe that because we don't draw or paint or spend our time in a cool recording studio, we're not creative. But to the contrary, some of the more creative humans on this planet that I've met have been bricklayers or have been engineers. And, and you know, it doesn't have to be from the arts. So that's where I want to take this show. I want to keep it predominantly in the arts, but I also want to get insights from people who are just doing forward thinking, innovative stuff that can help us all to get new ideas. So that's where we're at. I've recently been plowing a lot of time and energy into writing my books and my uh, book projects. That's still the case. I am obsessed and in love with writing as I am with illustration. 
And then this show came back into the fore. That's what happens, you see. I've created this weird biosphere of things. You know, I've been an illustrator for 12 years working for a broad range of clients. And then I wrote Champagne and Wax Crayons. And since then, I've released two more books, Isolation Watch and Your Mum. And I've fallen in love with that. And then the podcast. So what happens is I, I've realised that I need that environment where all these things feed the other thing. And between those three core pillars, there are so many disciplines that come into putting these pieces of work together. And it's just made me realise that my brain is one of those brains that absolutely needs the variation and needs the stimulus and needs the change and a new challenge. Whereas I know people who are complete specialists and do the same thing day out, day in, day out, and would happily do that for the next 500 years if they were allowed to live that long. So it's horses for courses, and that's why I feel this show is relevant, because, you know, I'm not saying that anyone should listen to any given episode, but I'm saying that there's something to take away if you're open-minded from every single one of them. So I'm excited about what's coming up. We'll talk about some upcoming new guests before long. Um, but hopefully now with this new title and this new package, it can attract a few more casual listeners who might just be, you know, drifting around iTunes or Spotify and wanting to listen to something that might get their creative juices flowing. The nature of the show, like I said, is not going to change, but I am going to roam a little further than I did before in terms of the guests. And, you know, I just don't know where it's going to move. That's the wonderful thing. That's what's exciting. I like to not have that finishing line. Like I mentioned earlier in the show, once upon a time, it was all about working for this client, working for that client and becoming this and becoming that. And, you know, I was a little bit waylaid by titles and goals and clients, whereas I'm not saying that's wrong. But I do think there's danger of missing what's right there in front of you and around you. And I, um, I became much more focused on feeling the day-to-day. Was I excited about everything that was in the calendar that week? And if not, what do I need to change to make myself excited? What I came to realise is that I could get the same buzz from a client I've never even considered working for as I can from those dream ones who actually often end up being maybe not quite what you thought it was going to be. You know, it's not always the case. The, the dream clients I got were actually brilliant to work for, but... We have these ideals and these things we're working towards, and often when we get there, we realise that, oh, shit, that wasn't what I imagined it was going to be. Um, so it wasn't It wasn't a kind of... It was never a case of um, this is the prescribed path. I don't think you can do that with creativity. So recently I started pushing around a few words of what maybe be, might not, might become a second non-fiction book after Champagne. Very different. It's not going to be a kind of follow-on from that book. It could just be an essay. It might simply be an opinion piece. I don't know yet. I've just started to put these things down on paper. Exploring creativity, which I feel is so often misunderstood. Um, and at the minute, the working title is the same, The Creative Condition. It's th- That's the idea that I'm working with at the moment that fascinates me. And I suppose it's built on the premise of the idea that when it... So this is... I'm rambling here. What happens is, I will say to people about, you know, creativity, creative industry, and people go, ah, <laughs> I can't draw to save my life. And it's, I want to put my head in my hands because that sentiment, it's the very thing, like I mentioned earlier, that separates us from the rest of the species in this on this planet as human beings is creativity. And yet so many people distill that wonderful magical thing down to a single manifestation just a process drawing drawing with what charcoal have you tried pencil ink it's it's crazy to do that because creativity is 
it can be anything you want it to be. It's, it is magic. It's the closest thing we have to magic in this world. I truly believe that. Um, so what always fascinated me about it was not so much the process, but how personality, character, the lived experience, nurture, nature, everyday challenges, place, mood, pressure, uh, among other external factors, they all shape creativity in an entirely different way for every single person at different times. So each of those things can shape it in a different way at a different time. There is no controlling creativity. That's that's the beauty of it. You can use it, you can channel it, you can grab it when it's right there in front of you when you're feeling it and use it to great effect. But then it moves and it changes because life happens and something changes. Let's take lockdown, for example. Um, this has been uh, this arguably the most surreal time of many of our lives, right? I don't think anyone would, would argue with that. And then I start seeing this these two camps. Again, just distilled to two camps. People who did something creative during lockdown and people who didn't. Bullshit. It's complete bollocks. It's You work with extenuating circumstances and the pressures and the challenges of life in your individual way. So every single person's way is valid, right? So for those people having a go at people who started up a podcast or a stitch craft course or whatever in their own time, don't be dickheads. Don't go out and have a go and be all bitter because maybe you didn't do it. I see a lot of that on social media and it's quite toxic. Um, maybe start to understand and look at why that is the case for those people and why maybe it's the case for you that you didn't do that. And how do you feel about it? Do you feel bad that you didn't do that? Is that the reason you're kicking out? I don't know. It's interesting to analyse that. And then I guess the other camp is the people who did do something, you know, and maybe they're looking at the people who did it and going, well, that was a waste of time on it you sat at home masturbating or um watching netflix when you could have done something good and it's it, again not the case don't be so don't be so presumptuous an episode one of the creative cabin casts of arrest all mimics that i put out at the start of lockdown was my own curiosity i wanted to kind of create a, just a little bit of unity I suppose, in our industry, I wanted to talk to a few different creatives about how they were responding to lockdown, you know, and the idea of a cabin cast was I was in my house locked in, they were in their house locked in. How are you doing? What have you been up to? Are you well? That was it. That was the idea. And I talked to a friend of mine, Rebecca Hendon, who's a political cartoonist, really, really talented lass. And she admitted and said, this is horrible. I'm feeling really anxious. I'm feeling a little bit paranoid about the disease. I'm quarantining parcels when they come through the door. I'm, I'm taking this very seriously. And this was a person who, on a previous episode of the podcast that I had Rebecca on, told me how one of her main pursuits, her main hobbies or, or pastimes, was to walk around London, to just walk without direction, see what she sees, clear the mind. And she wasn't able to do that. And she wasn't dealing very well with it. And for someone who's, on the surface, very creative... She said when she's that anxious and when she's feeling that bad about things, she can't, you know, beyond the necessity of her client work, she struggled badly to get motivated to do anything else creative because there's so much else, you know, the barrage of negativity going on. So it's different for so many people, and I find that really interesting. But look at lockdown, you know, to put it in two camps of those who did and those who didn't is absolutely preposterous because it's a nuanced thing. Some people have have started to do things just lately because they've grown so tired of the, the repetition and the apathy of these lockdowns and what's going on that they've arrived at a, a saturation point where the hurt has just kind of become numb. 
and they've got to do something because they're going mad. So for every single person, like, like I said, it's different on a different day. Ask me in five minutes how I feel about that and it'll be different. And that's what's fascinating to me about creativity is that we have to spend this time living with ourselves and understanding our characters and looking into our own souls in order to understand how we cope under pressure, for example. How do we operate when we've got a deadline and we've had some bad news in the family? How do we maximise a long deadline when we've got time on our hands? I know for one that I'm a real procrastinator when I've got too much time, but give me a pressured deadline and I'll probably do the best stripped back work that I can do because the pressure just does something positive for me. You know, that might not be the case on other deadlines. Maybe I'm not in the right headspace. That's why I love this and exploring creativity because it just, you know, why would you not? <laughs> That's the idea. I used to, um, you know, I used to look for a cause. That's another thing what this podcast has become a cause for me. I used to spend a lot of time scattered around many charitable and benevolent causes, you know, creating a poster for this charity and then moving on, donating artwork for that charity, move on again. Um, and while I still do these things, if I feel it's a worthwhile use of my time, I actually found it far better for my mental health if I had a cause to commit to. Because, like Ken Garland said on one of the uh, the episodes of Arrestal Mimics, it's a, it's a heavy burden to carry the weight of the world on our shoulders. You know, it can crush us quite easily. So I just needed a singular focus, and that's what this podcast has become. And there have been charities, there have been benevolent causes who I've had on the show. I've done work with Calm, I've done work with the Willow Foundation, who are two great mental health projects and creativity has become my my cause because it's so vast it's so fluid that i think it is essential for happiness and i just think that is if that's not a, a good enough cause then i don't know what is so it's given me you know something to get my teeth into and it's also an underappreciated demonized part of what we are as humans and it brings so much good to our lives so through this podcast i can build an easily accessible archive of conversations around creativity then and that would help to empower and energize those who seek to use theirs as a driving force in their lives then that's something i can build to as a life's work so that's where we are um every day like i said i'm shouting about some aspect of it um so i mean you know i've been blessed really with the people i've had access to I mentioned Sir John Hegarty earlier, you know, that's the guy who created Flyerick, who did all those Levi campaigns in the 90s, really, really awesome work, and yet was very, I found him very humble and just in love with creativity after all this time. And it characterised and it answered a lot of questions about how he was able to be so innovative and keep moving forward. Right through to undergraduates, I mentioned Hazel Mead. She's not the only student I've had on. I interviewed a 10-year-old boy. So a close friend of mine, Shane Gall, his son Liam was doing knockoff Disney cartoons and he had a whole business set up at school, including late fees, which I just thought was absolutely wonderful. And I asked if I could interview Liam and Shane and Liam were both up for it. So he's on an episode called The Ten-Year-Old Freelancer. So I just had a lot of fun with it and, and I want this show to be many parts of a compass that might help guide other people forward, whether it's through the creative industry, whether it's just an idea, whether it's about somebody who doesn't know the difference between illustration and design. It can be anything you want, but I'm going to try and put this thing there and keep building it now under a new title in the hope that it helps you. I think every case is unique. We can learn from all of it. Um, you know, I just think, I just hope, I hope that the broader range of guests will be well received because 
that's what gave me some of the busy, biggest buzzes of doing this podcast. I remember having Mariana Pastana on the show, who was a curator at the V&A Museum, and she was working on a future uh, of design, you know, exhibition. And it was just amazing, and she was a, an incredibly smart lady who kind of blew my mind a little bit and left me a little overwhelmed for my old, meagre intelligence. <laughs> and the numbers weren't that great, and it was kind of... I got the sense sometimes that illustrators wanted to hear from illustrators and designers wanted to hear from designers. And, I mean... In my own, in my opinion, I think looking at those only in your own field is the fast track to mimicry and repetition because you don't learn all that much. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I, to this day I pick up illustration books and love all that work and they're on my coffee table and they give me great pleasure. But when it comes to inspiration, it's the things out there in the world from all these diverse areas of life that that get the best ideas going on, you know? My recent book, Your Mum and Other Stories from the Back Streets of Britain, it was just abandoned items in the street that I will see around and I wanted to create backstories that, that try and show in somewhere why these are rich facets of our streets and, and bring as much character as like the nearest skyscraper sorry skyscraper or the nearest tourist attraction and then I think there's an aspect about learning what might not work for us what we might not want to do I mentioned earlier that we can spend time working towards something only to realize that it's not what we we thought it might be when we get there um, I think of Annie Atkins graphic designer for film who does astounding work for Spielberg films and Wes Anderson and, and she's got a studio in Dublin which is magic and she runs a workshop from there and I asked Annie to be on the podcast when I met her at the DNAD festival and she said gladly I'd be up for that and she said why don't you come to Dublin and sit in half a day or so of my workshop on a weekend make a trip of it whatever you want to do and we'll, we'll chat at lunchtime and I was like okay that's brilliant I love Annie's work I would love to do that so I went to Dublin for the first time to do that and I remember coming off the back of working on a, a micro budget independent film in Manchester and then a, and then a, a micro budget web series and it was some of the most intense work with extreme conditions that I've ever done and it was both rewarding and daunting and, and soul destroying all at the same time and I loved it, I liked the experience that I picked up from it, but I didn't want to do it again. And sitting and, and hearing Annie tell these war stories of working in film just confirmed that I am not the man to be doing that. That is not me, it's not my character, it's not what gets me going. Annie is hardcore, and she told stories, for example, of you know 16-hour days on set and what looks like a beautiful movie scene if you move the camera out just a couple of inches you will see people standing around freezing their bollocks off in north face jackets with cigarettes and coffee cups in their hand and they just want to go home and see their family and all this stuff and about having to create 36 identical handmade fake passports because Wes Anderson is known for multiple takes and being quite intense in that respect and, and Annie couldn't afford to run out when they were filming so there are so many aspects to that job that people do not give credit for and just look for the glossy end product, which is a beautiful movie poster or, you know, the documentary of the making of the film that makes it look really romantic and sexy. When really it takes a, a strong character like Annie, who is hardcore and awesome at what she does and very calm and very warm, that which leaves her in a great position where she can use her creativity to round up many, many different extreme people on a film set and make it work as, as a big collaboration. I couldn't do that. I would fall apart in seconds. That's what's brilliant, again, about the ownership of creativity. So I've gone on for a while. I hope that makes sense, the reasons why I wanted to change this and take it forward as the Creative Condition podcast. I hope you're going to stay on board. We've got some awesome guests coming up. 
I'm going to be talking to Ben Ryan, who was the England Rugby Union Sevens coach and then went on a magical journey with Fiji Rugby Union Sevens. Don't be put off by the rugby thing. You really don't need to be a rugby fan to get some incredible inspiration from Ben's human-centric approach to coaching. He lived what can only be described as a fairy tale in Fiji. But the work he had to put in and the creativity he had to employ and the people skills and the way he had to adapt to that set of circumstances is nothing short of awe-inspiring. I've just finished Seven's Heaven, Ben's book of the whole experience, and I, I go out and get it. Go out and get that book and read it. It will blow your mind. You don't need to know anything about rugby. You don't need to be interested in rugby. That's merely the context. But what Ben does and how he uses fun and innovation and new ideas with all these larger-than-life characters to go on and win Olympic gold at the 2016 Rio Olympics is just spellbinding. So I'm very excited. I worked with Ben on, on the graphics for his upcoming new podcast, the Ben Ryan Podcast. And I asked him if he'd be on the show, and he said yes. So I'm going to be chatting to him shortly after recording this pilot episode, and that is going to be one hell of an episode. I've also got Jesse Maguire coming up, the managing director of Thought Matter over in the States. Brilliant, brilliant agency who go under the strapline work that matters. They've done some wonderful, wonderful work around women's rights. They've done the, uh, they've done a short film on the surreal um, sensibility of COVID and what it's been. Uh, they do. They've done the, the alternate flags recently in response to the storming of the Capitol in the United States. The kind of scary event that went on recently. They really, really are an innovative, brilliant agency, and I'm very, very excited to talk to Jesse about her journey and and, and her work there. We've got Tim Eastley coming up. He's going to be telling us about his brilliant book on the moon, which has been doing great things recently it got featured in the observer they did a fantastic in pictures feature on his photographs of the moon and again i believe he's done them during this strange time that we're in uh we're going to be talking about his independent books about his diverse range of skills between design illustration and his indie publishing ventures so i've got all those coming up i'm very excited the show is of course going to be free as it always is on all the good platforms spotify iTunes over at soundcloud.com forward slash creative condition so check it out give us a subscribe and if you get a chance leave us a little review please if you're into the show because it's a massive massive help it's out there to stream and download I have no intention of going anywhere anytime soon and I also don't know what direction it's going to take next all I know is I'm excited I'm delighted to have you still on board I hope you've enjoyed this episode go and support the sponsors illustrationx.com and the Association of Illustrators two of the good guys who do a lot of great work for the creative industry and on social media please keep the conversation going I'm going to try and be more active and, and talk to you guys and get some threads going about the themes within these episodes so it's over at Ben Talon that's T-A-L-L-O-N pod on the social media or just at Ben Talon if you want me direct either is fine have a great week, guys. Stay sane during these bizarre times and look forward to more episodes of the Creative Condition podcast. See you later.